In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present in the Blessed Sacrament, every theme that is derived from the Gospel is the ideal theme to bring to the Lord's attention when we adore Him, praise Him, honor Him in the Blessed Sacrament. But there's a special theme that, at least implicitly, we're always taken to our prayer, we're always examining ourselves on, and it's the most excellent gift we have. And we need to mortify our American tendencies to make successful accomplishment an absolute. There's nothing wrong in wanting success. I'm sure Jesus and his father Joseph were successful carpenters and they wanted to be successful. But I couldn't imagine taking a survey and asking what's for the sake of simplicity, a 20-year-old man or woman, what gift would you want? If you had your choice and God would speak to you with an actual voice, with actual words, what would you want? I probably would have said in my younger years when I wasn't literate yet, well, that I reached the stature and the ability to be a professional athlete, or that I could maybe, I say this with trepidation, play for the Yankees. Or now, if I were a teenager, I'd say play for the Cubs. Or be an NFL athlete, if I had, that's the gift, or if I, if, a person were more mature, he or she would say that I would dominate ancient philosophy and become a renowned professor. Or maybe a woman would say an opera singer or a super well-known actress that dazzles people with my beauty. I don't think, in the great majority of cases, an aspiration, whether it's adult, whether it's a middle-aged person or older person, that their aspiration, their passion, their desire would coincide with what St. Paul reveals as by far the greatest gift a Christian has. And they wouldn't draw the same conclusions as Paul does in his Litany on Love, that is a popular passage in wedding ceremonies. 
And that's the miracle of Scripture. It's always tailor-made for us. It's always tailor-made for a specific culture. Without being heavenly endowed in faith, it's not, okay, I can only want this gift and the rest of the gifts are minor. Paul says this is such an important gift, the gift of charity, that whatever other gifts you have, they're worth nothing next to that gift. And we come before our Lord and say, well, probably I'm guilty too. If you gave me a a hypothetical choice and you said, you know, you could get whatever gift you want, I'll give to you. But what is it? I apologize, Lord, if if I'm not inclined to say, I want charity, a full developed perfected virtue of charity. I'm sorry that I can't square my weak aspiration with these words. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries. Now, this is big for the Greeks. I mean, they, the most prestigious line of work in those days was philosophy. So that's why Paul uses this. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, well, I, I'm very orthodox. I accept all, the whole body of gospel teaching, of church teaching. Or, but have not love, I am nothing. Our Lord is not saying we're, no one's ever nothing. We don't take that phrase incorrectly. But I could be very accomplished, very versatile in my skills, but if charity is not the overarching quality I have, Well, in a relative sense, I'm nothing in comparison to having charity. Lord, how do I do this? How do I live this most important of virtues? One dad reminded me about the importance of charity. I was talking to a professional athlete and he said that he was trained as an athlete when he was three. His father worked with him. So I had that brilliant idea to sit my buddy down because my buddy is, was concerned with the religious formation of his children. And given the temptations in our culture he wanted to form continues to want to form his kids in the Catholic faith Catholic spirituality morality so I said well you have to work with them I said here's an idea you got to be like some of these dads of these professional athletes you got to start when your kid is three years old I mean he knew ten times more than me but he was so humble, he just sat there listening. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. 
I go, maybe that's the way to do it. I said, you, I mean, you see my point of view, don't you? And he said, oh, sure, I do. But can I add something? I go, sure. I didn't, in my heart of hearts, I didn't think there was much to add. And in a very refined way, he said, I was wrong. He said, well, kids are pretty unforgiving. There's a double standard. They can make all sorts of mistakes. That's what he's saying. I didn't say it. But when mom and dad make a mistake, or they get a little angry, or maybe they told a white lie, or an expletive slipped out of their mouth, the kids call them on it. He said, but what we need to do is witness the love of Christ, because otherwise, giving that kind of training, as good as it is, won't work. And he said, I, the, guy, the gentleman said, I have to walk the walk in terms of really showing love. I can't, we're not going to do it perfectly, but we have to get their attention by our love. And then he said, which means that, he continues speaking, I have to be a man of deep prayer if I'm going to pull this off. He is pulling it off. St. Paul says to the first Christian communities, these letters of St. Paul in the New Testament are formational instruction to the early church. I don't know, my educated guess is that there were about 60 Colossian Christians when they received their letter from Paul. Or maybe there's a hundred Corinthians in the church when they receive their letters from Paul. There's two of them. And in fact, those, these epistles, some of them anyway, are the oldest bodies of writing in the New Testament. And perhaps all of the letters of Paul are older than the Gospels. Be it as it may, Paul has certain repetitious rep exhortations. He's a little bit like Augustine. He's always talking about his conversion, so the fact that he persecuted the church never left him. So that always bothered him. He, that would always come out. It comes out in most of his writing, most of his epistles. But the mantra that kind of sticks in the memory bank of our mind and heart is put on Jesus Christ. Put him on. Let's look at that a little bit. He equates our Lord as kind of an article of clothing. If you're dressed as a policeman, you're a policeman. I mean, if you just had a bathing suit on and you're a policeman, I, I, I don't know if you're a policeman. You're not dressed like one. I was on an operating table a number of years ago, and someone said, are you a priest? I go, yes, even though I don't look the part right now. The surgeon is going to be dressed as a surgeon. I can't tell if someone's a surgeon if he's in his shorts and golf shirt. 
But just by looking at him, I can't tell he's a surgeon. Or a waitress, or a waiter, or a soldier. I wouldn't believe someone if he was in a t-shirt and a bathing suit saying, listen, I'm off to a, a black and tie dinner. No, you're not. You're not dressed for the occasion. So Paul says, put on Jesus Christ. And what's that uniform that I have to have on? In an imperfect way, because we don't have it right. And it's, it's a commandment that is impossible. Possible to approach, but impossible to perfectly live. And it's a commandment that inside that commandment, that one simple phrase, the entire Bible is concentrated in it. The whole gospel message is there in condensed form, but it has to be unpacked. Love one another as I have loved you. And for a practical audience like ourselves, what works? In this way, they will know you're my disciples. By the love you have for one another, what kind of love? My love. I can write myself off with false humility and go through all my, my track record and my antics and displays of bad humor, hurtful words, hurtful thoughts, uncharitable attitude and write myself off. Don't forget, Paul says, put on Jesus Christ. It's not about me. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. You can't, you can't even, you can't approach this commandment. That's, a, that's what he was referring to. Well, how do I do it? I, for whatever it's worth, I was teaching in a workshop and Instead of working on my theology classes, I get distracted by the books, the new books in this book, bookcase in the living room where I was working. And I noticed a book in Spanish, and the it was a biography of a Spanish woman who died in the early 30s of tuberculosis. And she happened to be the first woman member of Opus Dei. So I got distracted by the book. Kind of easier to read the book than prepare classes on the unity of God and three persons of one God. So that was sort of my reading. And her dad didn't practice, her dad was a doctor. She came from southern Spain. There was lots of ill will towards the church in that part of Spain, I mean, it was before the Civil War. And she was blessed with having a good parish priest and a Franciscan who would visit that parish and this priest was promoting Eucharistic adoration. 
and it caught her interest. And so, on her own, she's 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, she's adoring our Lord in the Eucharist. And not that it's a secret, but she doesn't broadcast it. And so she habitually comes before the Blessed Sacrament. She has a diary, she journals, she writes poems, and the book, the biography, is saying, well, you know, the girl, as a teenager, because she got very sick. For 10 years, she had tuberculosis. She probably died of that. And little stuff that she really loved her dad and loved her mom, and she was kind of the joy of the house. She was really funny and kind of wild and energetic. And she had a heavy southern Spanish accent and liked to party. And on her own, she would do corporal works of mercy with orphans and things like that. Her religion teacher got close to her and gave her even more direction. She was lovable, lots of she, she drew people like a magnet. And she was always in a, a good mood even though her family went bankrupt and she had this terrible illness. And then it goes on that they sent her to Spain to this hospital of infectious diseases and it's packed with hospital beds and it's a depressing place because you go there to die. And there are a lot of young people there. And she's mixing it up there and making friends with people and, and entertaining the other patients. And she's, what's her secret? We're putting on Jesus Christ right now by coming before the Blessed Sacrament. That is so key. And I, I tell, I, I exhort myself in the presence of our Lord. That is so key. And then we don't, no need, it's, it's wrong to write ourselves off if we're willing to put on Jesus Christ. Because he's going to transform us. I remember recently, man or woman happens to usually happens in both cases I'm nervous because people are giving me too much credit this lady said I said well enjoy it anyway enjoy it anyway well I don't deserve it I go fine it's not your fault no but then person got kind of emotional misty eyed and they don't know the real me, and you know, I feel like a fraud, and you know, I, I know, I know myself, and should I tell them a little bit more about myself so they don't get deceived? Should I do that? I go, absolutely not. I said, just chill out, will you? They're praising our Lord. I said, how often do you pray before the Blessed Sacrament? Every day, big chunks of time. I go, that's what's going on. In spite of yourself, they're seeing our Lord. And so they think it's you, but it's our Lord. And if our charity is too average, because it's got to be way above average, it's the heart of Christ, especially in this society. We've got to get people's attention by our, our love, and it can't be contrived, it can't be affected. But if it's just too average, well, 
Our Eucharistic piety is too average. I'm not putting on Jesus Christ. Now, now charity is not something, you know, abstract. Something generic. The next point, the last point, St. Josemaria says in the way, number two of the way, may the response and the experience of anyone who comes to our encounter be able to say, this man or this woman reads the life of Jesus Christ. Lord, help me finish up with a resolution and I take the liberty to put words in your mouth. You'll tell me with St. Paul because those words come from the Holy Spirit. Put on Jesus Christ, do mental prayer, spend time with me, look for me, and little by little, you'll approach that great goal. You'll develop that gift you received in baptism to be able to say, I love with the heart of Christ. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.